Hello everyone, my name is Madeline Deutsch and welcome to We Are Here. It is a sweltering hot and serene afternoon at Cox Ferry Lake Landing. The sun beats down on everything below, scorching the ground and warming the air with its heat. The heat is wet with humidity and it leaves beads of sweat trailing down everyone's skin. The sound of insects buzzing and chirping dissolves the calm quietness, but the sound is still peaceful. A handful of leaves have fallen on the ground and they rustle in the burning late summer air. Birds chirp in the background, making noise as they fly around in the sky. The centerpiece of the landing is a pool of dark water. Ripples rise to the surface, creating microscopic waves. There is a sturdy pier with metal railings that branch out into two rickety, faded wooden piers. Ancient-looking trees contort their bodies in a variety of ways. Branches arch over the wooden pier. Knots grow on the outstretched limbs of trees and moss, or maybe lichen, spreads up the branches like a disease. The swampy cypress trees encompass the lake, surrounding the edges and planting themselves within the water. A few of the trees rooted on land have strips of bark missing, hinting at wildlife nearby. Green leaves hang from the drooping branches, and it looks as if gravity is pulling the branches closer and closer to the bottomless lake. Cox Ferry Landing is a part of the historical Waccamaw River. The river has, this river has been an important historical factor for years upon years. In 1729, the Waccamaw became a boundary dispute between South Carolina and North Carolina. The problem was, the British officers had said that the river would be used to determine the border. However, because these British officers did not understand the course the Waccamaw took, their decision was misleading. Thankfully, this conflict was resolved in the 1730s. The river was not only used as a boundary line, but was also the home of very successful rice plantations, all the way up until the 20th century. Before the Waccamaw and surrounding areas were occupied by European settlers, the river was a vital resource to the local Native Americans, the Waccamaws. In the magazine Southeast Education Network, writer Carl White talks about the historical connection between the Waccamaw River and Native Americans. The Waccamaws used speedy dugouts, and the Waccamaw River was a part of water highways. The Waccamaw River has a rich history dating back to Native American times. Native American histories intertwine with the history of this Blackwater River. You cannot have one without the other. Water holds so much history. It is deeply interwoven with the histories of all of us, but more specifically the histories of Native Americans. Native Americans have spent history learning to live with a limited water supply. Because of these limitations, the history and sacredness of water were passed down from generation to generation. They learned through religion and daily observation. Water has played a vital role in the formation of native culture. When something so important is limited, it becomes incredibly influential in day-to-day -day life. This influence shapes history and the way natives view the world. For instance, the Waccamaw River was historically used as a water highway. It was a river where people traded and interacted with others. The Waccamaw natives held this river so dear because it was the very essence of their daily lives. Without it, they would have not been able to survive. On the website Britannica, it says that constant shifts of migration, local or large scale, interwove tribal languages and cultures. Rivers have played a major role in the formation of cultures and languages. They allowed for the integration of different people on a large scale. Without rivers, there would be less integration and way more isolation. Throughout America's history, Native Americans have been impressed by institutions like the, Native, like the American government. 
In modern times, this oppression is still very much prevalent, specifically in relation to clean water. Clean water is something that is incredibly important to Native people. And the destruction of access to clean water allows for the persistent genocide of Native culture. Water is held in high regard within many tribes. For instance, the Blackfeet believe that water holds their deities. Water is sacred to them, and it is incredibly important that their water is present and clean. This sacredness helps to pose an important question. Why does the American government not help provide access to clean water when it comes to reservation land and Native Americans? To the indigenous population in America, the loss of land rights is an attack on sovereignty and allows for the continuous marginalization of indigenous people. Without access to such a basic need, loss of sovereignty is inevitable. In the eyes of Native Americans, there is a distinct analogy between loss of homelands and loss of water. Water is so deeply intertwined in Native culture that it is synonymous with their homelands. This means that the pain felt when losing homelands is on the same level as loss of water rights. The pain felt also reveals that Native people are constantly losing pieces of their identity when it comes to government action. For instance, the Sioux tribe in South Dakota had to and have to face this loss of identity daily. They had to face the inevitability of the Dakota Access Pipeline on tribal land, a pipeline that meant the destruction of sacred burial sites. Because water is such an important major part of Native identity, the indigenous people are willing, even willing to go to court for it. According to the Natural Resource Journal, Native American water claims are pervasive in the West. 60 of these cases are already in court. If water rights are something that indigenous people are willing to go to court for, protest for, and fight for, then why are we trying so hard to take their water away? The American government has been so adamant about the destruction of native culture since the beginning of American history that even now, they are willing to take away a vital piece of native identity, water. I grew up in a home where culture wasn't always embraced. Native ancestry was passed down biologically, but forced out of day-to-day -day lives. I think this was largely due to racism faced by my grandfather and his family. Everything about my grandfather was dark. His skin was golden in the sun. His eyes were dark coals, and in his youth, his hair was inky black. When he was alive, he proudly wore his bolo tie, his cowboy hat, and silver rings lay stacked upon his fingers. My grandfather's name was Santos Luna and the world wasn't always kind to him or his voice. It's not easy to exist in a white world when you have darker skin and an accent. I know this even though my skin is pale and my diction is that of a Midwesterner. I am descended from the Apache. I always knew that I had native blood, but it wasn't until I got older and was allowed to learn about my past that I truly connected with my ancestry. I learned through passed down stories from relatives, pictures, and the indigenous community. I consider myself and my family victims of the ethnogenocide of native culture. The American government and the American people have consistently forced assimilation upon native families. They do this by erasing history and culture and forcing colonizer concepts like blood quantum onto native people. Time and history are slowly forgetting indigenous people. 
my grandfather, his parents, his siblings, and his culture are slowly being erased by westernization. I mourn the loss of family and heritage, but I hope that with perseverance, the Apache and my family will be celebrated once more. It is a cool and crisp autumn day at Cox Ferry. The wind nips at exposed skin, leaving my face a red hue. Handfuls of decaying leaves lay scattered upon the ground, crunching beneath my feet. I once thought that South Carolina was warm and balmy year-round, but this day disproves my initial belief. The sun reflects itself upon the surface of the water, and small, microscopic ripples destroy the glass-like appearance of the river. This water holds so much history, both good and bad. I reach out to touch the water, hoping to feel some sort of connection to the native lives who once relied on it to survive. I feel nothing but the coolness of water between my fingertips. It is almost as if time has decided we do not deserve to feel a connection to the Waccamaw people. Too much bad has passed. Too much death and pain. Just like the Waccamaw, my family faced persecution and judgment from the American government. And they too felt the loss of access to sacred water. History is passed down throughout water. Water knows everything. It holds the secrets to our past. The people of Conway release their kayaks, boats, and fishing lines into the water, but they don't see or feel the loss of culture or life felt by the Waccamaw. I was once unable to understand this loss. It is something so complex and painful to understand. Once I allowed myself to connect with native ancestry, I was able to feel the suffering of my ancestors. Loss of sovereignty and culture within the native community is an overwhelming thing. The American people overlook the pain that native people feel on a day-to-day -day basis simply because it is easier to not understand. Their ignorance allows for things to stay the same. Will native suffering ever be acknowledged? Or will the world time hide wounds felt by indigenous Americans? Whatever the outcome may be, I feel safe in knowing that water will never forget. Water holds history and secrets and water will never forget.